Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. In your heart of hearts and in your deepest self, what do you believe about the world? When you hit a point in your life that feels like you couldn't get any lower, what do you do? Stay tuned for my special guest today for a beautiful experience of love and divinity. Hi, I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and founder of the Baca Journey. Fast track technology for your co-creative power. For visionaries, innovators, company founders, and product designers, optimize your ability to create more in less time and enjoy every minute. My guest today is Robert Clancy, and I'm so I'm so beyond thrilled that he's here. He's just published a best-selling uh, book, and anyway, I want to tell you about him. He's a creative visionary. He's a number one international best-selling author, spiritual teacher, Christian minister, and co-founder of Spiral Design. At age 19, Robert had a divine spiritual experience with one of God's angels that altered his life in profound ways, something he kept a close secret for nearly 30 years of his life. In 2012, he created the Robert Clancy Guide to the Soul Facebook fan page, where he shares his divinely inspired thoughts, now followed by nearly 1 million people worldwide. Robert is co-host and producer of the Mindset Reset Show and is a husband, father, and sixth-degree master black belt martial arts instructor. He is a dedicated volunteer who completely embodies the spirit of service, a selfless commitment to helping others make a positive difference in the world. Welcome, Robert. I am delighted that you're here on Wisdom Talk Radio. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And it's just such an honor and pleasure to be here to share with you. You have um, just such an amazing energy and a beautiful light to this. And uh, I love the conversation before we even started today. So <laughs> set the tone for it. We've kind of been all over the place already. It was like a, I should hit the record button. Yeah. <laughs> but let's give some context to what we, maybe to what we were talking about and what we will talk about. Um, I wanted to start with something that I saw in your book about not running on empty because so many people are pushing themselves. And I have been one of those that has pushed myself and sometimes can fall into that when, when there's nothing inside and it's so debilitating. So can you say something about that feeling of, of, well, the importance of not running on empty? Yeah. You know, I look at, uh, there's so many metaphors and whenever I see, you know, running on empty, the first thing that popped in my head was, um, a heart. And when you fill the heart with love, it can never be empty. And I always tell people, you know, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, but I've never gotten there. <laughs> Which is something and that's, to say. <laughs> when you look within, you'll never be without. And that's not running on empty. That's being fulfilled and filled with spirit and understanding that you're part of that. We're not humans with souls. We're rather souls surrounded in our humanity. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that you're that light first, 
and I have both halves. You know, you've talked about my spiritual side. I also have a very heavy scientific analytical side. I actually got a hundred on a logic exam and final in college. I was the only student out of like 500 people that got a hundred. Oh dear. And uh, that's how logical I am. Mm -hmm. And so on my science side, every element in the universe has always been here, always will be here. So you're part of that. Your soul is part of that eternal peace. So when you understand that you're in this body and you're on this plane, that is the light that is within you that makes sure that you're never without. So you can't run an empty when you have this internal combustion engine that's always there. And what it runs on is love. And you have to start with self-love because if you don't love yourself, how can you expect others to? And how can you share that? And that's really the, the key thing to, to driving that car to a place worth going. And it's a beautiful thing to have love as the, the, uh, the fuel. Yes. And it's that unconditional love that is the fuel. And it, it's wonderful because the, the sense of circulation is, is so ever-present in that. You can't hoard it. It doesn't ever run out. And, and in order to receive, you have to be able to also give. Yeah. And it does get difficult, you know, in times because I've been there, I've had challenges, there's days and different things and life come at, you know, just life events come at you and they can change your, your mindset. But when you can realize that you just share a smile, it can change the chemistry within inside your brain and how you react to things. And it, it's about perspective for me. And one of the things that I talked about in I don't know if you've gotten to that part in the book, but I got, I had received these words many years ago, a couple of years, you know, and it was, we never see the great picture God paints for us because we're always standing on the canvas. Mm -hmm. I got the second half of this recently and it was what matters is how you frame that picture mm. and how you frame it can be even more beautiful than the picture itself. And when you can carry it that way and understand and trust that whatever that image is, it's beautiful. And the way that your attitude is around that is even more beautiful when you can accept it. Because if you look at a painting very close, like let's say a masterwork by Botticelli or Raphael, you zoom way in and you're two inches from that painting. It may look dark and murky, but when you back up, you'll realize it's this beautiful painting. Yeah. And that's what it's like. Yeah, I, I'm struck with that because I, I think of the fact that we we never can see the whole picture, period. And you know, I, I am very much a person who who lives by inner guidance, who does what I do by inner guidance. But I know I'm never given the full picture because <laughs> I probably couldn't handle it. <laughs> well, the other part is, you know, that's what makes life fun because you really don't know. And it's finding the puzzle pieces and seeing where they fit and and what is this picture? And I've gotten a lot of the puzzle pieces, but I still don't see the whole thing. I've been shown parts of it. I've received parts of it. I've experienced parts of it. Mm -hmm. And no matter what it is in the most terrible moments that I've gone through in my life or with our family and different things or friends, you know, I had my best friend two years ago. Um, I held his head in his hand an hour before he passed away. Somebody I've known since second grade. And so I've kind of had those moments, but I looked at the beauty in the moment because that was the day I got to tell his two children everything that he didn't get to say. Oh. 
because he lost his ability to speak two days earlier and he was going to tell them these things. And he had told me. Wow. And you got to be the messenger. Yes. Yeah. For that. And it was just a beautiful thing. And, you know, we had uh, taken the gloves off on our, our talks quite a while back. And that's one of the other things is being real and being upfront. And I said, you know, we've been friends a long time, but we're going to have to talk about some difficult things. And I just asked if it was okay. And I got his permission and he said, yeah. And we did. And I told him, you know, the things that he needed to change mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how his family was going to see him and how he was going to have to battle cancer and how his family was carrying this terrible thing within their hearts. Mm -hmm. And it was written on their faces. And when I went to see him on the day that he passed, his two children greeted me with huge smiles. Ah. And immediately I got, he did it. He did it. He did yeah. it. Yeah. They were celebrating him. Yes. Ah, that's, that's what life is. It's just, yeah, yeah, those moments. Yeah. It touches me particularly because I'm in the midst of, well, I'm in the midst of a situation with my best friend of 40 some years who is transitioning. Mm -hmm. And, um, and when I get to spend the time with her, it's it's such a profound experience of, of just joy. Yeah. I get to have this opportunity with her. And she. I, while I can't imagine my life without her, you know, in, in the physical, what I'm being given and, and what is there in the exchange. Again, we come back to the first thing. When you look within, you'll never be without. So you won't right. be without her. I know. I know. Because it's right inside. And the same, I couldn't think of having a better team of people around me than my, my parents mm. and my best friend on that side being my greatest cheerleaders. Yes. Around me now all the time. They're with me all the time. 100% of the time. I don't ever not have them. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so in, in your book, The Messengers... You talk about soul hitches. Can you describe for our listeners what what are those? Yeah, I revisited it. It was in my first book I talked about soul hitches, and I, I wanted to bring that concept back because I've had these moments in my life, and everybody has, where you seem to be going through, sometimes it's like where you're trying to get from point A to point B, and you end up in X, Y, and Z before you get there, mm -hmm. and you're car can't start or whatever it is that puts you in a situation and you can't, you know, and you keep moving forward and you'll encounter somebody randomly. Mm -hmm. And there's some profound message that comes from them. And so I wanted to talk about the, the chance encounters that I've had with these kindred spirits and souls. And one of them, uh, not in the, in the messenger book, but in an earlier book, I was heading down to New York, uh, to Long Island, and I was like, you know, Mr. Clock, I want I was, you know, managing time. My wife has a bladder about the size of an acorn, so we got to stop, and I'm trying to time, like, okay, we can't spend more than 10 minutes here because we're going to lose this time. We're not going to get there and this and that. And there's this woman coming at me with arm canes, and the throughway stop doors are very heavy. And I blasted right through those and bypassed her talking to my wife, trying to guide her to where the bathroom is and all this stuff. And then I stopped mid-sense. I'm like, oh my God, I got to go hold the door for the woman because I wasn't thinking. Mm -hmm. And I held the door and she kind of gave me this funny look at, like you could have held it when <laughs> you were coming through. <laughs> but instead of that, instead of saying thank you, she complimented me. 
Hmm. And we ex- looked at each other's eyes in between those two doors. And it was almost like we, we said everything that we ever needed to say to each other in the entire life. <laughs> like the message was passed just in our eyes. Mm-hmm. And it was a Seinfeld shirt I had. She said, that's an awesome show. I love that. And I said, yeah, you got to love the humor in that. And it was almost like we wanted to exchange phone numbers because we, we needed to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. But somehow we knew we just did. <sighs> And that was one of those soul hitches where you ride somebody's soul for a short time. And then it's just an amazing thing that happens. Like something to get to be able to open to yes. something else. Yeah. yeah. So that's the key. It's really those moments like that, that you hold on to. In, in this latest book, uh, which, as I did mention uh, in the introduction, has is already an international bestseller. <laughs> you describe an experience, a divine experience that you kept secret for your whole life, really, even from your whole, your whole family, who you were very close with. Yeah. Why, why did you decide to share it now after almost 30 years? It was actually in 2012. It was the day before Mother's Day. My mother was on her deathbed. She actually passed on Mother's Day. My parents had been married for 64 years, and I was debating whether I'm going to tell my father that this angel manifested in front of me in in the lowest point of my life when I was 19. Mm -hmm. And I finally, I asked my siblings if I could take them back to his room because they were, both of my parents were in an elderly home. They were cared for there. And I took him up to his floor and he was in a wheelchair and he said a joke near the, um, elevator. I said, you know, mom's not doing well. And it's, you know, basically, and he just put his hand up and said, death and taxes. <laughs> and he always had a sense of humor. Yeah. And I said, yeah, pop, the two things that are always going to happen in this life. And he said, yeah, I know. So I took him up to his room and I told him about the divine experience that I had and this angel manifesting in front of me and that I had to live with knowing that heaven is real and that maybe no one would ever believe me. So I didn't tell many people over those 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I said, I hope you believe me, Pop. And I said, I love you. And he just said, you too, because that was his old response. You know, he never, he would never say the three words until the very end. It, that was the last words he said to me. Wow. Um, so told him the angel. I said, I hope you believe me. It's the God's honest truth. And the next day, the only other thing he ever said about it was when her brother, my mom's brother, my uncle Dan was there. He just turned to him and said, Bobby, tell your uncle Dan about the angel. Wow. And I told my uncle Dan and he said, I believe him. (laughs) (laughs) And so I ended up telling my siblings um, that day and I decided, you know, I can't take this to the grave. It's people need to know. And I feel like maybe this is the time to talk about it. Everyone I pretty much told up to that point is already on the other side. I had a young man in his mid-20s. Um, he had the, one of the uh, most horrific forms of brain cancer, and they actually removed his eye, and he had tumors on his head. I was one of the last people to see him before he went home from the hospital when they couldn't do anything. It was the last night he was going to be in the hospital before hospice was mm-hmm. coming to his house. I found out 30 years later that his mother always wondered what he did on his last night because he didn't want her there. And I said, I was with him. Mm-hmm. 
what ended up happening was I told him about the angel. And I also, the night before he was in a volunteer group and I wrote down every beautiful thing that every person said about him. Something that people say after you die. You don't get to hear it. You don't get to read. And I read them to him. Mm. And I was crying. And then he cracked a joke in the middle of it and laughing as hard as I could on both sides. Mm. It's a weird experience if you've ever had, like, you're full on crying and full on laughing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. It just like splits your soul into a million pieces of joy. <laughs> and, um, then he started crying. And last thing that he said, um, he said, I'll see you soon. And I turned around and I said, you know, that's not going to happen at least here. Yeah. And I turned and he said my name one more time and there were no words spoken. He was just saluting me. Oh. And that was it. That's the last time I saw him <laughs> at least here in at this plane. Here. And he's around me. He's my ego check. Ah. <laughs> And uh, I always thought he had a big head. And of course, God, in the end, made him have a physically large head with the tumors. Mm. So be careful what you ask for or what you say, because I got to see it. But I hear you. What you're saying is you also he he acts as that keeper of the don't get let your head get too big now. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I have some words for that. It's just because your name's in lights doesn't mean you're any more enlightened than the bulbs. And if you keep company with your ego, you will only have one friend. (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the ego's fine. The personality's just fine. You know, Yeah. it's just that that's not the big picture and that's not all there is. Correct. So those are the things. And that's why I decided to share. And then I didn't write it in my first book. My first book was already, I started writing it in 2008 and it came out in 2012, shortly after my mother passed away. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was like October of 2012. And then December 1st, 2012 is when I woke up and it was almost as if the rest of the door of everything opened and I saw God's math on everything. And I... I could look at a flower and and it was almost like words were coming off of it. Or I'd see, I'd see beautiful words that were written and and it was almost like flowers were coming off of those words. So for instance, I saw peace of mind is a beautiful thing on a billboard and it rewrote itself for me. I just saw the words almost rearrange in front of me and it said, peace of mind may be a beautiful thing, but peace of heart allows you to see the beauty in everything. And it like one upped it to like this other level or the words they say, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. That was also rewritten for me. It said, um, and when I say it said, it's like the voice inside my head. When I see these words, they just, it's almost like programming. They get rearranged. It's fair. It said, uh, peace or no, the, uh, If you love your job, they say if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. But imagine if your job was just loving. You'd live every day of your life working in happiness. Mm. Wow. And that's what happens to me. So I just kind of go, okay. And then they're all memorized and they're all stored as pictures too. Like I can call them up almost like a Rolodex and I've written over 64,000 words. Wow. 64,000 words. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I hope people can feel the energy of what, of what is present here because there's, there's the words and there's what you're saying or what we're saying. 
And there's a whole other dimension to what's being experienced right now. And it literally is present and will be present in the recording of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, it, it, it strikes me that I want to say something like, um, listen when you can really receive this. Listen to this show when you can really receive it and not when you're distracted and you know doing all kinds of other things. There will be so much more that you will receive and that you will right. understand than you would otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love for you to um, speak a little bit about volunteerism and what that means, because you really are, as I said in the last part of your um, your bio, you are a dedicated volunteer, and that's that's like that's a fundamental thing within your life. Yeah, volunteering is any time that you can ease the life of someone else in some way, whether that's the simplest form is sharing your smile. And I look at it this way. When I when the angel appeared to me, she wasn't necessarily smiling. I thought of something silly and then she smiled and blinked. And I thought, wow, I just made an angel smile. And I thought, that's a tool that we carry with us every day. And how often do we use it? And how often do we use it for ourselves? So I smile when I'm alone because I realize I never am. And then I bring that out to the world, and that's part of the volunteerism. The interesting thing is um, I actually, this is my fifth or sixth time, I just went back to the children's hospital. And long story, um, I'm Spider-Man. And I have two other superheroes. One is the former Miss Teen New York, who looks exactly like Wonder Woman. And I have another martial artist I know who's got the shield from Captain America from the movie. Oh. The real the real shield. Yeah. And he looks like that Captain America and has a full movie replica of that. And I have the full theatrical replica of Spider-Man. I have to look like Spider-Man, so it's a great way to motivate yourself to work out. Yeah, we, we got. I got to get my grandsons into this because they would be like oligog. And the the interesting thing is, we we get together these other two superheroes and myself, and we go to the children's hospital like every year. And the true superheroes are the kids that we're visiting. Of course. And what a beautiful way to volunteer is to have fun. Spider-Man doesn't have a smile, so I have to bring it with my entire body mm -hmm. and do things to make the kids smile. And there was a little girl who we couldn't go into her room because she was so sick that her immune system was compromised, so we had to stand in the doorway. And she blew us kisses. Oh. And we're throwing us kisses. And I was making a heart with my hands and then pointing at my heart and throwing the heart to her and she would catch it. And they were all smiles and something beautiful happened this past. And this was just a couple of weeks ago. Something beautiful happened where they said, we have a special moment for you mm -hmm. on the on the fourth floor. And I went down and it was a young girl. She was wearing a superhero mask, a cape. And after two and a half years of cancer treatment, she was going home. Wow. Wow. Got to witness it. Yes. Yes. So these moments are just like, that is a priceless volunteer moment that touched me. And you can't see Spider-Man crying, but I was. Spider-Man can cry. In, in joy. Yeah. And it was a most amazing moment seeing this young girl going home and the kids lighting up and celebrating her who were still there. 
So what's embedded in that, in the, in that energy of volunteerism certainly is, is love. I mean, that's yes. the foundation, the, the fabric, it's everything. Um, if, if you were to, uh, I'm trying to, to see how to say this or to ask this, if you were to invite our listeners to allow some of that energy into their own lives, it, volunteering, that, that the, the energy of love in some way. Now, you mentioned something about smiling. Yes. Yes. Take that a little further. Yeah. Find something that you're passionate about and whatever that is, find a way to give with that. So let's say that you are a mountain biker. You can get out there and run a spin class for underprivileged children. Mm. Or you can combine photography and go and give your services to help a 501c3 or a nonprofit or some organization that could use your professional services Mm -hmm. or your talent. And you can also roll up your sleeves and certainly do things. And I just got an opportunity for Thanksgiving to uh, do something that, you know, I'm I'm involved in this uh, Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership Group, which is leadership students through community service. And that's what I volunteered with for the last 30 years is inspiring them to be those volunteers, to create more volunteers, because what better way than just rolling up my sleeves and making a difference with one starfish when I can make a difference with an entire ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, it just brings me back to years ago when there were a group of us that wanted to volunteer in different different ways within our city. And it was the city of, of Denver. And we kept running into dead ends, phone calls not getting returned. We just couldn't figure out how to do it somehow. Right. And so I started what was called the Children's Volunteer Project. And it was collecting from all over the state the programs that desperately needed volunteers. Yeah. Here were your opportunities and creating that into a whole database and publication so that people could actually, who wanted to volunteer, could do it. Yeah. And that's the key. It's just creating opportunities for others, creating opportunity for yourself. And you can never really have a bad moment volunteering because you are filled with so much love and thanks. And there are people out there who are thanking you that you've never seen. You may never hear the praise. You may never know how you've changed their lives. I've had the blessing of encountering one of them years later. And this um, guy in a wheelchair, I was having lunch with a friend down in the New York State Plaza uh, here. And um, I got in this elevator with this guy and he recognized me. He said, you're Bob. And he stuck his hand out and I said, do I know you? And he said, no, but I know you. Hmm. You volunteer for MDA for the last four years. I had to think about it for a moment. I was probably 27 at the time. And I said, yeah, I, I actually have. And I volunteered because you're on TV, you're on the phone bank, you're having fun. They feed you pizza and cookies and stuff. And um, I never really thought about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And he then went on to tell me about um, a guy who was 23 who passed away from muscular dystrophy. And my face went white. Mm-hmm. And he said, wait a minute, I see by your face that I made you feel bad. That's not what I'm trying to do. You see, he would have died when he was 14 years old. 
Mm. He lived for 10 years because of MDA, because of the programs that were there. Mm -hmm. And he thanked the volunteers and knew everyone's names every year that he lived. And you're one of them. Wow. So I told a group of students, they started volunteering that year. And it grew into a partnership with this youth organization that I was in, Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership. They went on to raise $25,000. They went on to volunteer at all the camps mm. just because I, I did that one chance meeting. Yes. And that was one of those soul hitches, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the last year that they had the telethon, I was sitting in between two young women. And I went on to tell them because they asked me, how, how did you come to volunteer here? And I told them the whole story. And I said, I've come every year pretty much since then. Mm-hmm. They both look at each other and they say, oh, my God, that's our grandfather. Oh, my and he goodness. told us about you. Wow. He passed away last year and we're here to carry the torch on for him. Whew. That's how it all comes back around. Just because I was interested in getting on TV and having some pizza and cookies. <laughs> <laughs> You never know where anything's going to take you. Or who you touch. And the ripples are endless. And that's really the key. It's understanding how profoundly those ripples in the universe go out and touch so many hearts. And you have no idea. Yeah. And before we started the, the recording today, the show today, we were you and I were talking about love being that, that fuel that runs the engine. It runs everything. And, and that's another piece of that is it's like, you never know what you're going to do. That's going to impact somebody that's going to impact somebody else. That's going to, and how that, you, how that does ripple out and how that, how that fills us without yes. us even having to control it or know it or anything else like that. I look at love is the very thread that holds the fabric of the universe together. Mm-hmm. And there are times when that thread is the only thing holding your universe together. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes it can get pulled apart, but you have to understand that you're part of that bigger picture too. And there's times when I've let that unravel my life and I hit rock bottom because of it Mm -hmm. and I gave up, but I had the divine intervention that most people don't, but I had people there that recognized I was struggling too and they helped so that's how it kind of comes together. And I see it also coming together in another way, which is you are taking that which you received as divine intervention out into the world as a continuing divine intervention. Divine yes. intervention doesn't just happen by seeing an angel, it happens. Right. Well, I was given a mission and a task somehow, and I've had to spend the last 30 years figuring out what exactly that is. And for yes. the last 30 years, I question why me? Mm. out of all the people on this planet, why was I selected? There are so many more people that are worthy of this than me. I'm not perfect. And why would I be chosen? And on December 1st, 2012, I woke up with two things. One of them was why ask why when you should ask why not? And the (laughs) second piece was believe. Mm. Believe in yourself. Believe in community. Believe in others. Mm -hmm. Just believe. Yeah. And I think I want to add add to that something of believe and act. Yes. Let that fuel your actions. 
right? You don't get to the top of the mountain without taking those steps. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it hurts, but you got that view and you can't stay at that peak too long and you have the climb back down, but you don't spend too much time on the climb and you don't spend too much time in the valley and you start climbing again. That's what life is. And that's how it all comes together and how I see how to put everything back together and how to keep going because there are times when it is difficult Mm -hmm. and you have challenges and you just want to say, I don't even want to go outside today. And there's other days where I want to run out and scream at the top of my lungs and just share so much joy. And I go through those moments too, even though I had this, you know, I saw an angel. So I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I know that we're held and I know there's things. um, But we also have in our own hands, our own destiny as well. Life is like that. We do hit rock bottom. We do climb the mountain. We do have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I'm so grateful, Robert, that you are bringing your messages out into the world in the way that you are. I I love that. (laughs) How can people find you? Um, Well, there's a few places, but the main hub is guidetothesoul.com. And on there, there's links off to the Mindset Reset Show, the books, um, some videos, different things that I have, all my social media, everything. So that's kind of like the central hub. And I thought, you know, Guide to the Soul. My first book was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul. Now it's just the guide to the soul of looking within so you're never without. (laughs) Looking within so you're never without. That's a great way to end this. Thank you, Robert. You have been so generous with with the way you share yourself and share what you have to offer to the world. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be here with you and an honor to uh, share with your audience and, you know, and the beauty that you bring to the world too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. Remember, you can find us on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening today, please leave us a review. That helps people access the wisdom. And for more about optimizing your connection with your own creative intelligence, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacajourney.com. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook. <laughs>